Hello, and welcome to It Bees Like That. I'm your host, Madeline, and in this podcast, I really hope to shine a little light on what it's like to be a disabled young adult or a person who's dealing with a chronic illness at a young age. I hope to kind of get rid of stereotypes and help people understand that anyone who has a disability or an illness should be treated the same as everyone else. Like, even if you have to help somebody, they should still be treated just like a normal person. Um, I will have big episodes, so main episodes, that I am going to dedicate to talking about different illnesses and different disabilities that we might know, but that we don't know a lot about. I hope to open people's eyes to the world of disabled people. I want to help maybe open people's hearts to this different view of life. I'll also have many episodes, and those episodes will be dedicated to guest speakers or people who write in their stories or really great stories that I find online that I just think need a little more space. So I really hope that you guys enjoy my podcast. This first episode is going to be about my life. Um, I am going to open up to you guys to show you that I am also just a normal person and that you can trust me. I will always help you guys have a safe space to feel and to think and to speak. And I hope that it is able to help you the way that I think it's already starting to help me. So anyway, let's get into it. Living with chronic pain is really shitty. Um, sometimes I'll wake up and I literally can barely move. Other times I wake up and I'm totally fine, but then like two hours later, I am ready for a nap. I'm ready to lay down, take a muscle relaxer, take an edible, smoke a blunt, who the fuck knows? Like, I just need something so that way I can function the same way that other people do. It's really hard. It's, it's really just something that nobody really talks about. Um, it's something that my sister has dealt with her whole life and so when it started happening to me I felt like no this can't happen to me I don't qualify for this like I am not allowed to feel this pain because I don't go through the same things that Mac does but that's not true um different things happen to different people all the time and it doesn't really matter how old you are how old you were when it started, or, like, how you feel. If you hurt, you hurt, period. I have friends that have fibromyalgia. I have friends that have cerebral palsy. I have friends that have brittle bones. You can, you can literally have anything at any point. Doesn't matter how old you are. And that's something that I have really had to take the time to grasp is the fact that it's okay that I hurt and it's okay that I'm only 25. I was 19 when I was lifelighted to UPMC because I had a tumor um, about the size of my fist. It's not very big, um, my fist, but it's at least like 
five or six inches around or something. I don't know, but it was pressing on my spinal cord and had finally broken through my vertebrae. Um, I was going completely paralyzed from like right under my shoulders down. I had no idea what was going on. I was losing muscle mass. Um, I would walk up the steps and my legs would shake. I had like severe muscle atrophy. Um, I lost a lot of weight over the course of just a few months and it started to become a huge task just to walk in a straight line. I walked like I was drunk. I had like zero control of my body. If it wasn't for the fact that I was a ballerina for 11 years, I don't think that I would be sitting here right now the way that I am talking to you. I would probably be in a wheelchair, but I was lucky. I was super lucky. Uh, I went to the doctor because I had a lot of pain and all this stuff was going on and I didn't understand. And uh, she sent me for x-rays. But those x-rays showed that I had scoliosis was what I was told. Um, looking at them later, you could totally see the tumor, but you know, whatever. Um, that I had scoliosis. And I just thought that was crazy because I, again, I was a ballet dancer. I mean, wouldn't I have known if I had scoliosis by now? But you know, I guess not. From there, my doctor sent me to another really wonderful doctor. Her name is Janine Masternick Black, and she is crazy smart. I will just say that. What I ended up having is extremely rare. Um, I had what's called an aneurysmal bone cyst, and it was on my upper thoracic spine. And yes, the cyst itself can be not as rare, um, but the place that I had it and the way that it had grown in my body, like, that's super rare. Like, there's only a few of us in the whole country that even ended up with this. Um, but anyway, she sent me directly from my appointment to an emergency MRI, and I was super scared because she thought that I might have MS or this tumor. And neither one of those really sounded that great to me, um, especially not MS. Um... And the woman who was doing my MRI, she told me that just a week prior, she had diagnosed, well, she'd seen a scan of a girl that was about my age who was diagnosed with MS. So I knew that she knew what it looked like. And so whenever it was done, I, I looked her dead in her eyes and I made her tell me, does it look like MS? I need you to tell me now. If it looks like it, I won't tell anyone that you told me, but I need to have that preparation. And after a second, she said, no, it does not look like MS. I said, great, awesome, you know, like, whatever, as long as it's not that, then I guess that it's fine. Um, I don't know. Um, but anyway, they admitted me after that because something was terribly wrong. Um, I found out whenever Master Nick Black called my mom to check on how I was doing with my tumor that I found out that I had a tumor because nobody at the hospital was telling me anything. I think that... Um, she knew what was going on and knew that they weren't going to tell me. And that's why she called my mom. Um, I'm forever grateful for that, for one. Um, several hours passed. I don't even know how long. The whole thing was a blur, but I was lifelated. I was lifelated to UPMC um, in Pittsburgh. And, uh, yeah, they, um, they told me that I had cancer at 3 o'clock in the morning by myself. 
in Pittsburgh, which I rarely ever went to, in a hospital that I've never been to, um, and I was devastated, um, found out later that it was not cancer, which was really wonderful, but that was a good couple of hours by myself that I was just sitting in this dark room, just, like, sobbing, chewing on ice cubes, because <laughs> I wasn't allowed to have water, because they thought I was gonna have surgery, and whatever, but, um, uh, yeah, like, a few hours later, they came in and told me it wasn't cancer, that I had an aneurysmal bone cyst, and that they were still probably gonna give me surgery the next day, um, Instead of that, though, they gave me surgery about four days later, I think. Um, but in the meantime, I had several tests. I saw tons of doctors. I found out that I have a blood disorder called Von Willebrand's disease, which is not too uncommon, I've noticed. Um, I only have type 1, which is really wonderful, but it is genetic. Um, I think I got it from my mom. Poor thing. She literally bruises like a peach. It's so sad. Um, love you, mom. Uh, but, yeah, I had my surgery, and, uh, they had to take out my spine. He started shaving down, and eventually had to take it out. Just the whole area that had the tumor on it, it just kind of popped out. You know, he said, okay, whatever, and then put a different one in, so I got someone else's spine in there for another, like, I don't know, five years? I don't even know how that works. Um... And then they put six inches of surgical steel rods with four screws apiece on both sides of my upper thoracic spine. Um, and when I woke up, I was terrified that I was going to be paralyzed. Um, I was so scared. I remember the very first thing that I asked my nurses was, can you please touch my feet? I needed to know, you know, um... But I could feel it, and I remember I went right back to sleep, and then my next memory was my parents standing in front of me, and I asked them again, because I don't know if I forgot or if I just didn't believe it, um, and they did, and I was fine. I, I could feel, and I didn't feel like that, you know when your foot falls asleep and it's waking up, but you get like that initial like really bad like tingling feeling? A few seconds later, it gets a little bit better. That was what it felt like. That's what my legs felt like all the time. Literally, like, from my shoulders down, but especially in my legs, that's what it felt like all the time. And I had no idea what had happened, and I had no idea if that was going to be, like, a forever thing. But luckily, it wasn't. Um, they kept me for a few more days. I was supposed to go to a rehab facility for a few months. Um, because they figured she's gonna have to learn how to walk again. But actually, I walked the very next day, and I went up and down steps the day after that, and that in itself was its own miracle. I was so surprised. Um, I was beyond shocked, and right now, sitting here five years later, almost six years later, I'm still shocked. Um... We all chalked it up to the fact that I was a ballerina and the fact that I had so much muscle um, and that I was so trained in how I move that I was able to continue doing it with muscle memory and, and not have to do all of the extra physical therapy, rehab, and all that. Um, I only did regular physical therapy afterwards, and I did two rounds of it, and it helped a lot. 
But yeah, that was uh, the week that my life changed. I was life flighted on July 3rd, around 11.30, almost midnight. And I was released on July 8th. Um, and I got to go home. I didn't think that my life would ever be the same. Um, but, you know, I was willing to live it and to figure it out. Because sometimes you are just dealt a really shitty fucking hand. And you have to just do what you can to get through it. And I did. And I did. Um... Everyone kept telling me it's okay to take off a semester, the semester after. Like, it's totally fine to take off that semester. Like, you went through so much, blah, blah, blah. But I knew that I needed to continue on my path, on my journey, so that I could be successful. I was not given the second chance to not be successful. And I had a lot of pain. Um, Definitely within those first two to three years, it was much worse than it is now. Um, it's still very bad. We'll talk about that later. Um, but it was, it was pretty bad. Um, I hit it very well. Um, I used marijuana quite a bit. Um, I already kind of did, but now I had a reason (laughs) to use it that wasn't just, "Mm, I feel depressed, (laughs) you know? And if it wasn't for that, I don't think I would have actually gotten off of the muscle relaxers and the painkillers. I actually took myself off of the muscle relaxers and painkillers. I just saw it the other day. It was like a week and a half after I came home because I desperately wanted to go to my best friend at the time's house and hang out with her and her family. And we just laid in bed and watched TV and hung out and, um, That's all something I will always be grateful for, is getting to spend time with her during that time, because I was broken and empty. (laughs) Um, when I was in the hospital, uh, I was with my, like, new (laughs) partner, like, literally, we had just started dating, um, and, uh, yeah, that was, that was really hard, uh, to get into a relationship with somebody, and then right away, your, your whole life changes, um, you start feeling like, like you're almost a burden to that person, you're a burden to your family, to your friends, um, because you can't pick up anything that's over five pounds, you can't, You can't pour a gallon of milk. (laughs) My dad was so sweet when this happened. Um, He would separate the milk and any other, like, heavy jug or whatever into two containers so that I could get some. My mom told me that uh, he still did that for quite a few months, even after I was a little bit better. Um, I love them. They're great. Um... As you can tell, I mean, even though it's been five years, like, it still affects me emotionally and mentally, as well as physically. (laughs) Um, But anyway, I went back to school. Um, I had a hard time transitioning. There was quite a few people um, who didn't understand 
what I just went through um, and or pretended to understand but didn't actually care that I needed help. Um, I went through a really bad period of missing class because I was tired or because my muscle relaxers made me sleep in. Um, so I tried to get more involved in the theater department. I did a few plays and a musical, and I worked in the costume room. Um, I got to be the wig master and makeup designer for the theater department for a few years. Um, thank you, Catherine. Um, that was a really cool experience for me. It really made me feel like the skills that I had were worth something and that it didn't matter that all this had happened to me, I was still me. The the things that I had curated for myself, those were still mine. It was my talent. And nobody was able to take that away from me. That was the only thing that I was sure of, was that nobody could take away my talent, period. And so I worked on my acting, um, which is my number one passion, is acting. I would literally go and get my master's just for acting. But for now, I'm going to work on my voiceovers, my podcast, trying to get an agent, and go from there. Um, so far, it's going pretty good. Um, but, yeah. Um, I dealt with a lot of issues when I was in school. Um, I would have people that were in charge of me coming to me and basically questioning me on like, oh, why is, why do you suck at this? Or like, oh, why are you behind? Or like, oh, tough day, huh? Like that. <laughs> yes, honey. Yes, it is a tough day. Thank you. Um, <laughs> fucking blue. Of course, I wasn't going to be a hundred percent, but a lot of people didn't understand and that was okay. That's kind of why I'm making this podcast, because when I was originally going through this, nobody talked about pain as a young adult. They always said, oh, you're tired, you're just lazy. Oh, you're in pain, you're just a big baby. I worked in a steel mill when I was 15 years old. Like, you know, that's awful. You should not have been working in a steel mill at 15 years old, okay? Like, that's not legal. Um... But, you know, being a young adult and being a young woman definitely does not help. Um, women are already called big babies all the time. Um, and so when I would have people come to me and say things like that, it, it broke my freaking heart. It broke my spirit for a long time. My dad would come to me and say, kid, like, you need to get out of this. You need to get out of this cycle. I can see it in your eyes. Because, like, I might be a good actress, but when I am deeply upset about something, I can't hide it. As much as I want to, I just can't. Because I feel things very deeply, um, to a fault. I wish that I could feel things more analytically, but instead I feel things with my heart. Um, everything, everything anybody says to me, everything that anything happens, that made no sense. But anyway, you know, I feel it. And yeah, it took a long time to get out of that. 
Um, I had a lot of physical therapy. Andy helped me a lot. My partner, Andy, um, helped me a lot. And I would work on the things that I learned at physical therapy at home. I would go to the gym with Andy. Um, and I would just do my best to try and feel better. Um, I definitely used marijuana more than anything. Uh, I would use muscle relaxers too, but I hate taking pills and I hate muscle relaxers. Um, I only take them now if I need to. Uh, so if I ever tell you, oh man, I take a muscle relaxer, everything sucks that day. Please don't expect much of me. I beg of you. Um, but not too long after my surgery, I applied for disability because I was a waitress before that and waitressing just was not in the cards for me anymore. Um, I did do it for a while after because I was denied, um, but then COVID happened, and when COVID happened, everything, like, went up in smoke. Um, I know it was a really hard time, and there was a lot of it that was really hard on me as well, but getting to not work and try and heal, that was beneficial for me. Because not only did I try to heal my body, but I tried to heal my soul. Andy and I would go play Pokemon all the time or go to the park and just spend time working on ourselves and spend time together. Um, I hung out with Mac. I, I did the things that I felt like I wanted to do. And I allowed myself to be selfish during that time too. And that was really wonderful. Um... But then, you know, COVID restrictions started lifting and everything, and I started working at a certain coffee shop. Um, I worked there for two almost, or sorry, one almost two years. Um, and it was good. It was good. It was really fucking hard, though. Um, it was a lot of work. And the fact that we were constantly understaffed and I had to basically be three people at the same time, that was ass. Um... I did make some really good friends, though. Uh, it was a good experience for me in that way. There was a lot of people there that they just weren't worth me talking to. And that was okay. Um, I understand that it was hard for people to grasp the fact that I was not as physically able as everyone else. And I get that because some people don't grow up knowing people who have physical disabilities. Um, and that's okay. The reason why I am so for disabled people's rights and trying to make sure that there's equality over everything is because I grew up with my sister having these really terrible physical problems. She's actually going to be the guest speaker on the next episode. I think that you guys are going to love hearing from her and hearing her experiences and the things that she has had to go through, and the ways that our family has been able to help her grow, and the ways that she has saved herself in multiple different situations. Um, but it's really hard to have a job that's a constant job. I mean, I was working at the time, like, 36 hours a week, and... I was, like, working my ass off. I would work at one store in the morning, and then I'd go to, like, my home store in, like, the afternoon, and I'd close, and that was a lot. Um, but I did it because I needed the money, you know? I needed a car 
the car that I had had basically guzzled away my savings and I had to sell it. Um, and I didn't really have any options. I mean, my parents were taking me to work, you know, like I was 22 and my parents were taking me to work now at 23. I don't know. I'm 25 now. So something like that. Um, so that, you know, it makes you feel a different type of helplessness too. Um, but I worked really hard and I had a really wonderful friend who was selling her car at the time and, uh, it needed some work. And so she worked it out with me and she gave it to me for a price that it was doable for me. And that's something that I will forever be grateful to her for. Um, thank you, Rosie. You really, you really stepped up for me and you didn't even know me that well. So I appreciate you and I know that you're going to do some really cool things because you already are. Um, but anyway, I got a car and I was working and then all of a sudden I started declining again. Um, I needed to get muscle injections. Um, those are not fun, by the way. Uh, I was getting like six to eight of them every time I went. And that's a lot. Most people will get like two to four. Um, I would get six to eight. And that was like really hard on my mental state as well because I was like dang now I can't survive without getting needles in my spine like what the fuck that's a lot you know um then my fabulous doctor sent me to a different kind of therapy it's called um osteopathic neuromuscular skeletal manipulation therapy it, that is a freaking mouthful and neuromuscular skeletal whatever that is all one word. Like, that's nuts. Um, but anyway, I started with that and I found out that actually a lot of my pain, I only noticed the ones that hurt the most. Now that they were like loosening everything and trying to work on me, I was hurting more and more and more. So I had to cut down my hours. I had to cut down my hours really far. And, um, I stopped making as much money because of it. Um, and I'm still doing that therapy. I mean, they're seriously doing magic over there. I feel like that is one of the most underrated doctors ever, is the people who train to do that. It's literally, it's, it's sorcery. It has to be sorcery. Um, I have not felt this great in years. Um, but by me saying I have not felt this great, I mean, I can stand there and do the dishes for 25 minutes and not start crying halfway through. Okay. Like it was pathetic. Um, well, it wasn't pathetic. I keep telling myself that everything with my pain is pathetic. Um, but that's one of the reasons why I'm doing this podcast because I know I'm not alone and I know that my experiences and the things that I've went through don't make me weak and they don't make you weak either at all. Um, but anyway, um, since then, it's really been helping. Um, and now I am unemployed. I am working hard at my voiceover career. Um, working hard at trying to be like a disabled advocate um, by making this podcast, for one. Um, and I'm working really hard at what is going to be my career. I 
will probably get like a little side job just to like, you know, pay bills. Um, but <laughs> I will be focusing the most on this. This is what I want. I just filled out another disability application last night and I am hoping and praying beyond anything I've ever prayed for in my life that this will work and that I will get it because I know that when I get it, it may not be forever, but it will be long enough for me to heal and to feel better and to figure out what I'm going to do with my life because I lost a chunk of my life. I lost a year of memories. Um, I barely remember anything for about a year, maybe two. Um, I feel, always feel really bad because Andy will bring something up and I won't remember it. Also, um, since then, I have PTSD. My chronic depression has gotten extremely worse. My generalized anxiety has now become agonizing. And, um, all of my memories from before my surgery, I remember them, but they feel like they're a whole different person. Like, I feel like the Maddie that everybody knew is not the Madeline that I am now. I, I feel bad too, because people will come up to me and will talk to me and I'll talk to them and then they walk away and I don't fucking remember them. And then a few months later, I will find like a group of pictures with that person from a night that I don't remember. And it wasn't just because I was high, but it was because like I lost chunks of time from my life. And I had people who didn't fully forgive me for falling into a depression hole, for changing the things that I thought were the most important. And I slacked, I did. I, I did not help my situation with my friends. I didn't really help my situation with school either, but I wasn't, I wasn't given any slack by anyone and I wasn't giving myself any either. And that, along with like the total trauma and PTSD, um, definitely, definitely worked together to turn me into someone that I didn't recognize. I've only recently, within the past few months, started to feel like I was rebuilding who I am and feel like I was worth trying. And that's like really hard because you're the person that is supposed to support yourself the most. And I completely gave up on supporting myself. I would dump all of my emotion into helping other people or into feeling sorry for myself. And as a result, I mean, I lost friends. I got bad grades. I almost got kicked out of shows. I was chastised by many. Um, there was lots of people who knew me as Maddie, that lazy girl. Like, I can't believe that she's at school. Like, she's just wasting her money, blah, 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 which, don't get me wrong, I mean, I got a theater degree, like, maybe the 17000 was a waste, I don't know, but I'm just saying that I am trying. Um, it was hard. It was really, really hard. But to branch away from that, since you're now all caught up, 
on my life. Um, I am making this podcast because I want people to know that young people with disabilities or chronic pain, they are real. They're seen. They are important. And we need to be more understanding. We need to be more open. And equality does not mean that everyone does it the same and gets the same all the time. Equality means that when you're working and you're doing the same job as everyone else, you might not lift the heavy things. You might need to go and sit down. That's equality. Being able to do the job the same as everyone else, but just with different things, that's equality. But when you make that person who can't physically do everything that you can do feel bad or feel like a problem, that's, that's really not cool. Because everyone has their struggles and everyone goes through things. And sometimes these things will be things that you have never even imagined having to go through. But you need to be more understanding. Everyone in the world needs to be more understanding of each other. We need to love each other and care. Be there. Be there when when your friend or your neighbor says, I'm not doing too well today. Would you please pick me up such and such from the grocery store? Would you please do this and this because I can't today? Or just says, hey, I'm not doing too well today. Can I just talk? Because sometimes people can't afford to have therapists. I mean, before I finally had a therapist, <laughs> I would talk to anybody that would listen to me. Because <laughs> I had to get it out. I had to put it out there somewhere. And I would spend time thinking, oh man, I, 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 can't, I can't talk about these things out loud. Like, I don't want anybody to think anything of me. I don't want to burden anyone with it. But now I have a really great therapist. And she listens to me. Um, she tries to help as well, but for the most part, she just listens and tells me, hey, you're completely valid. It's completely okay to feel the way that you're feeling, but you have to keep moving. And, and I try to. I always told people, like, if you hate your life, change it. Because you only get one. And if you think, oh, if I, if I quit this job, oh, if I, if I move out of this town, what will happen? Honey, you don't know. You've no idea what's going to happen. And that's why you need to just go and fucking do it. Just get out of here. I'm hoping to get out of here. Just got to figure out our lives and figure out exactly where we want to go. And, and I'm getting out of here. Because I know that my life, my life is worth something. And my life is worth me trying and caring and taking the time to understand. Because I still don't fully understand myself. And I know that that's common because I'm only 25. But let me tell you, when I say I don't understand myself, I mean sometimes I look in the mirror and I have completely forgotten what I look like. I look in the mirror and for a split second, I'm like, who's that? You know? And, and it's hard. But hey, I'm here and I'm doing stuff. And I'm here for you. So if anybody wants to reach out and say, hey, I would love to be on your podcast. I really, I just need to get some stuff off my chest. Or I really feel like I have a message that would help people. Please just reach out to me. You can DM me on Instagram. Just look up Maddie Pomeroy. You'll find me. My Instagram name is just Maddie, M-A-D-I, 
M-A-E, official. Just Maddie May official. So that concludes this first episode of It Bees Like That. I really appreciate you guys for listening to it the whole way through. I hope that this episode already spoke to at least one person. Um, Even if it's only one, that is more than what I had before. So please like, subscribe, and yeah, I hope you guys keep following my podcast. I am really excited to be hosting it, and I can't wait to see you next week.